Today we have a reading from St. Luke, the 12th chapter. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or an arbitrator over you? And then he said to the crowd, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, Ah, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, now you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is the good news. Please be seated. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. What a great reading for a retired pastor to come back to. (laughs) The teacher of Ecclesiastes, or as Martin Luther called him, the preacher of Ecclesiastes, an old retired preacher who has been there, done that, and is not sure what it all amounted to. What did I think I was doing here on earth? says the preacher. It has been precisely three years since I gave my final sermon at Living Lord up in Lake St. Louis. It was the last Sunday of July, 2019. And we read St. Luke's story about Jesus and the Lord's Prayer, which is the same story you may have heard here last Sunday. Luke chapter 11. When I took the call from Pastor Amy to come and, uh, and give them some relief this weekend, I immediately looked at the appointed lessons and immediately felt, I'm going to be picking up right where I left off. St. Luke chapter 12. The rich fool and his bigger barns and Ecclesiastes. These scriptures today, though, are not about looking backwards, reminiscing or regretting a life or leaving a legacy of some sort. But I hear all three of the lessons as looking forward. That's my hope for you today. We are looking forward to live a gospel life here and now. Vanity and all, today. So I want to get a running start this morning by uh, beginning with my life, but just seven days ago. Seven days ago, I was in a car on my way to Dubuque, Iowa. Anybody been to Dubuque? It's a cute little town. It's wonderful. 
about 350 miles north up the Mississippi River. I hope you can visit someday. Dubuque is the home of Wartburg Theological Seminary, my alma mater. And I was going up there for a mission conference, and I hadn't been there in many, many years. And I'd love to tell you about the conference, but I want to just lift up two personal impressions when I got back to Dubuque. The first one's going to be on the children's playground, and the second one in the chapel at the conference. Wartburg is named after a castle, a big stone castle in Germany, where when Martin Luther got in trouble with the church, he went and hid out. And to pass the time, he translated the Bible from Latin into the language of the people. A big task. And so um, I want you to imagine in your minds that big castle, stone castle up on a hill. That's what the buildings in Iowa are built like. Not quite as big as in Germany, but, but you see the tower and you see the castle. Down the hill, there's a playground, and they call that the Kinder Castle. The Kinder Castle, the kids' castle, and that's where they have all the fun things to do. My four children would play there while I was studying at the seminary, and so when I pulled into the parking lot last Sunday and glanced over, there it was, the Kinder Castle, and I immediately thought about one of my family's most cherished stories. One day, my kids were down at the Kinder Castle, which was really close to our apartment, and they were playing and swinging and sliding, and our five-year-old son, Karsten, was running around chasing his sisters, his favorite thing to do, just, just going, going full tilt. As the adults looked on, we saw him about to zoom right in front of the biggest swing just as another kid was swooping downward. And we gasped. And sure enough, it was perfect timing. A direct hit, spook, on Karsten's left hip. And he went airborne. Visions of blood. And driving to the ER flashed through our heads. Karsten landed about 10 feet out his little leg still pumping. He never broke stride. No harm, no foul. And he turned out to be a pretty good football player. <laughs> so as I land here today at Good Shepherd, I feel like I have just sent, spent precisely three years midair, spinning. Retirement, the COVID lockdowns and losses, and a world of uncertainty and vanity. So this morning, I'm picking up where I left off, and you'll have to be the judge about whether or not I've landed on my feet. The second Wartburg impression happened Monday morning in the seminary chapel. The worship leaders for the mission conference had decided to observe during worship the commemoration day of St. James the Apostle, July 25th. And, and that's my name, James. So I could have been predisposed to hear the message and the scripture and to take it personally on St. James Day. 
The first reading was from 1 Kings 19, where the prophet Elijah goes up to that stormy Mount Horeb and encounters God. But if you know that story, God is not in the great wind on the mountain. He's not in the earthquake. God is not in the fire. But after a sound of sheer silence, a voice says to Elijah, What are you doing here? (laughs) What are you doing here? What do you think you're doing here, Elijah? And that's a great question. Then the second reading was Acts 12, where nasty old King Harold has the Apostle James killed with the sword. And then the Gospel was St. Mark chapter 10, where ambitious James and his brother John come at Jesus with a big request. I want to sit at your right hand and have him at your left hand, Jesus. In effect, they were asking for their own bigger barns on earth and in heaven. Jesus first asked them a question that they already knew their answer to, but Jesus still asked the question, what is it you want me to do for you, guys? What do you want me to do for you, says Jesus? In my experience, it's these questions that often mean more and can be more powerful than the answers. After all, what do you think you are doing here? There's the band hiding over there. I've been in in your place. What did I think I was doing over there? Or at home or at school or in retirement. And what do you today want Jesus to do for you? If he asked you. Jesus did answer James' request, but not the answer James wanted. He kind of said, hey, bigger seats, better seats, bigger barns. That's not what discipleship and following me is about. And here is to quote Jesus. Such ambition is not to be so among you disciples. Instead, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's the place Jesus calls it to. But we disciples, I know, cannot get to that servant place without the help of Jesus. We can't. Human nature, the things that come into our heads, always draw us to those very lists, those dirty laundry lists that you heard the reading from uh, St. Paul to the church at Colossae. An amazing job reading that dirty laundry list. (laughs) Fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive language, lying, small lies, big lies. With our old human desires and strivings, even we, so-called people of God, who are trying to do good things, so often find ourselves blocking the grace of God that Jesus came to give us. What do we think we are doing here? And sometimes these days, we, we together wonder collectively, 
What's happened to the church? What are we doing here? What will we do here? Where's the joy we remember, the relief, the connection, the forgiveness, and just the freshness of those things that are from above when they drop into our lives together? We look out the windows in these pandemic times and we see society's dirty laundry piling up all around us. But even so, the things from above still do happen now, inside or outside the church. Grace comes along, says St. Paul, wherever and whenever we are living in Christ, as he loves to say, and not living just in our own heads or living in our bigger barns. And Paul was not talking theoretically about somehow heaven versus earth or, or spirit versus my body, but he was trying to get his churches to to catch that vision again, to keep receiving and claiming the good news that had changed their lives and brought them together in the first place. And he wanted them to keep experiencing the grace breaking through in their churches now. And to have that joy, as he says, in the renewal, in the renewal, in the renewal, in the renewal, where there is no longer Greek and Jew, slave and free, but in that renewal where Christ is all in all. Jesus Christ, right here and right now. In closing, I wonder if you can tell me the question that uh, I've been asked constantly, all last week in Dubuque and then uh, for three years. What do you think people have been asking me? How's retirement? Which in effect is, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing with all that free time? What are you doing? I, you know, that was something I hadn't thought about. Uh, you know, people never ask that. All of a sudden, that's the first question. What am I doing? And so I didn't, hmm, what am I doing? Um, what do people want to hear? What do they think I'm going to say? And. I've thought about it, but I've never done it. I thought I could say, I am eating and drinking and being merry. <laughs> the way the old preacher in the scripture actually said it in the next verse after the reading, uh, he says, there's nothing better for mortals than to eat and drink and find enjoyment in their toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from God, who can eat? or who can have enjoyment. Yep. Even that cynical old preacher acknowledged God's grace that the ultimate source of all our joy and life is God. Now, I will confess to you that when I cleaned up my church office three years ago, I had to build bigger barns at home to hold the material that I had gathered and generated for 45 years. And when I look back, and I am still looking back on too much of it, on all that earthly stuff, and as I work to get rid of it, I know that it all had very little to do with what ultimately mattered. All those sermons and classes and books and diplomas and music and awards, good things left 
undone, and sometimes done. Things that, that, that might have built me a bigger career or made me a reputation. Coulda, shoulda, woulda is really what vanity and chasing after the wind is all about. Vanity it is. My long resume and those heavy boxes in the garage capture almost nothing about what God was really doing in my life for me and through me. The real joys aren't in my garage. They're not on the record at all. Paul says things like that are hidden in Christ. They're real, but they're hidden in Christ. And I don't have to list them, because I can't. It's the times where in the middle of all my busyness, there was an interruption. There was a glimpse, a hint, a breath of a little wind from above. Heavenly things that showed up on earth in front of me by God's grace. Maybe it was a word from here or from a friend or from a stranger. A meal, pancakes and sausage, an encounter that revealed the abundant life that was showing up around me that was flowing from God all the time and that I could then see and let it flow back toward God, as St. Paul says. So the good news today is that more is coming to us. In Christ, these grace-filled things really do happen in spite of our old selves. In Christ, you are given a new self, says Paul, that is being renewed each day according to the image of God that you were created in. And in Christ, we have a life to look forward to together starting right now. It's a life full of grace and questions. I leave you with this. What do we think we are doing? But better, what do we want Jesus to do? Come to us, Lord Jesus. Come to us and meet us at the table. We pray in your name. Amen.